Hi, I'm Ryan Lynch. And I'm Amanda Johns. Welcome to season two of our weekly podcast, Worth the Work. Each week, we attempt to educate and reduce the stigma around issues related to therapy and mental health. We try to infuse humor in often difficult topics. And we stay authentic as we work to reinforce the reality that therapists are people too. This season, we'll be focusing on relationships. And not just the romantic ones. Let's do this. Let's go. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Amanda. What's up? Whole lot of nada. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) Have you ever had those times when life feels really overwhelming, but you're trying to figure out what's overwhelming about it, and then you're like... Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much a perpetual state I live in. Yeah. You know, there are therapists for that. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard of such things. <laughs> so, back to talking about relationships, mm-hmm. pulling away a little bit from romantic or partnered or intimate relationships. Um, we figured today that we would talk about teenagers. Mm-hmm. Well, and a parent's relationship with their kids. right? Specifically teens. Yeah. There's a reason, too. There's a reason that we are going to focus on teenagers and parents. Would you like to talk about it? Yeah. So (laughs) it's interesting. Um, You know, I have my own experiences as a mom who's raised almost to completion to teenagers. Well, they're not. One's almost 20, so he's still a teenager, and one's almost 19 so she's still a teenager and then i'm in the thick of it no it's just raised to completion is a very bizarre (laughs) uh, description well you know i feel like the teenage years are a whole lifetime of their own oh yeah so it's you have to complete the adolescent and teen life cycle um so uh one of the the biggest referrals that we get, one of the biggest referral sources that we get, and and interestingly enough, in talking to other practices, um, adolescents, mm-hmm. 12-ish, 13-ish to 17, tends to be one of the largest referral sources that we have. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it's interesting because you'll have a, a teen come in, and I'm sure, Ryan, you have stories <laughs> where where the mom's like, oh, my God, or the dad's like, oh, my God, you have to fix them. Something's wrong with them. And you're sitting down with the kid, and you're like, what What am I supposed to be working on? Because this kid is kind of normal. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the education and a lot of the work actually comes where you have to bring the parents in mm-hmm. um, and sort of help them understand what it means to be the parent of a teenager. Yeah. And all of that, that that entails. Yeah. Um, and the great thing is, is that Ryan and I both have clients who fit that category mm-hmm. of adolescents and teens. Um, so we have the ability to talk about it. Um, and then I have the unique experience of being a parent to them. <laughs> These creatures. Because she's... These creatures from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. so it's something that I can talk about. Yeah. Um, and what I figured we could do first is sort of normalize some of the behaviors that um, that can be pretty pretty common in this age. And that generally are, speaking. Generally speaking. Um, and that are actually quite appropriate, that mm-hmm. often get 
sort of pathologized or turned into sort of like what's wrong with my kid. Um, So here's some of the things, okay? Your kids are going to argue with you more, okay? (laughs) They're going to argue. They're going to um, push more against your boundaries, against your rules. Well, and you know what I think of whenever I think of this? I always think of it's kind of like, you know how a toddler is exploring yes. their boundaries yes. and constantly has to be told no, yes. but will look at you and do it anyway? Right. Well, it's kind of like the regeneration of that phase. This is literally the second toddlerhood. Yes. And what I tell parents is is that what, what stinks about this stage is that you don't have control like you did when they were 18 mm-hmm. months old. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what makes us a hard age. And for a lot of them, the more you push back, the yeah. more they're going to fight you. Yeah, yeah. Even if they know you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one is really difficult for a lot of parents um, because suddenly friends become the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality of it that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, these kids are trying to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. They're trying to become independent. They're they're trying to figure out their identity. Um, and, and they utilize their friendships to do that. And what I hear from a lot of parents, and I'm sure you do too, Ryan, is, but I don't like their friends. Mm-hmm. Their friends are a bad influence. Sure. The people that they're hanging out with are terrible people. And it very well may be that these people are horrific, you know, mm-hmm. Children who are running the streets and creating crime and graffiti and it very may well be. I like have this vision of West Side Story. I was going to say the warriors, <laughs> but yeah, basically. You know, it, it very well could be that these children that you're or these kids that your children are hanging out with are, you know, just the bane of the existence of the world. But it's probably unlikely. It's probably just a bunch of kids who mm-hmm. also are struggling to figure yeah. out or working to figure out who they are. Um, and again, it doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries and rules when it comes to what your child is allowed to do. Absolutely. Um, and you clearly want to step in if your child is engaging in an illegal or unhealthy behavior. Um, and also, it, it's one of those things that the more that you tell your kid, I don't like that person or mm-hmm. I don't want you hanging around that person – the more they're going to do yeah. it. <laughs> you've, just, you've just sort you've of You've just determined. made them their best friend. Right. <laughs> you, you've just put that into gold. Even if they don't even like the person right. that much. Right. Now they're their favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, is is it starts to become really important what, what their peers think of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of this has to do with the impact of social media. And the reality of it is, is that most parents... Um, these days, most parents these days did not have the same impact of social media mm-hmm. when they were growing up as kids do now. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think of something like bullying because right. like, you know, it, in school, if you were like, again, to sound old in my day, um, back in my day, I had to walk uphill both 20, ways. 20 years ago. Um, but if you were bullied in school, it sucked, but you went home and then it ended. Right. Right. But now with social media, a lot of times it never ends. It's yeah. it's constant. And that's and every why. Every single media stream yeah. exists. And that's part of the reason why we've seen an increase Correct. in child suicide and, and attempted suicides. Yeah. 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 It's scary. Um, but. But. Not just in bullying, but in now kind of going back to what you're saying, mm-hmm. in all of the influence. Yes. And in all of the – because not only do you have to manage your own persona, 
but then like how you are perceived online. Correct. And in person. Well, that's what I meant by your own person. (laughs) And and just so people are aware, girls tend to sort of go through this starting at around age 13. Boys have a tendency to start doing this around age 15. So just because you have um, a male-identifying child who has made it to 13, 14 and hasn't (laughs) struggled with this yet... Brace yourself. It's coming. (laughs) It's it's coming. (laughs) Um, You know, kids this age are going to often go to the extreme in order to fit in. That means changing their clothes suddenly. You're, 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 you know, maybe you had a female who loved to wear like dresses and, and, you know, bows in her hair. And she was like the quintessential, like identifying female and you loved it. Right. And then suddenly this this child <laughs> is wearing the exact opposite, you know, full black, you know, back in the day goth boots claiming that they, they're, they're oh my gosh, look at the coolest new fashion. You're like, been there, done that, Generation mm-hmm. X. Um, <laughs> shout out. Uh, anyway, but, but the point being is suddenly you see the child you thought you knew mm-hmm. change overnight. Um, seemingly overnight. Seemingly overnight, correct. And it doesn't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of times that this sort of behavior change or um, self-change can put your kid into risky behaviors. Mm-hmm. It can cause them to make ridiculous decisions. It won't last forever. True. Knock on wood. Doesn't mean you have to just <laughs> sit back and ignore right. it. But right. also, you know, remember, the harder you come down, the more they're going to push right. back. This phase will... And um, Excuse me. pieces of the phase will not, because mm-hmm. again, this is the age of figuring out your identity, right? So, so it is one of those situations where, you know, your kid will keep some of these aspects, but not all. Another thing that sort of goes into that is that um, your kids will become more emotionally distant. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to care so much about what you think. They're going to argue Outwardly, more with I would right, argue, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Inwardly, they're dying. Sure. Inwardly, not like literally, but yeah. inwardly, they desperately want you to remain the solid. They want mm-hmm. you to re- remain the person who holds them accountable and mm-hmm. you know has space for their emotion. They want to know that they can depend on you, the parent. Mm-hmm. And this is to both parents. Sure. Um, I think a lot of times. There's sort of this de facto, oh, the mom's going to take care of this. The mom needs yeah. to be there. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that kiddos need their parents, period. Whether that means it's a mom and dad, a dad and a dad, a mom and a mom, like whatever, just a mom, just a dad. Like mm-hmm. kids need stable, solid adults in their lives mm-hmm. to support them and hold them while they're going through this incredible disequilibrium. Um, everything that they theoretically know has sort of been um, knocked off its rocker. And <laughs> I know that came out like a really old lady. How old are you? <laughs> like 90. Okay. Um, no, but, but you know, everything that your kid knows has suddenly shifted. Mm-hmm. And suddenly their body is developing, their hormones are shifting, and nothing makes sense anymore. Um, and you sort of can become their mortal enemy. Sure. And it's all developmentally appropriate. Um, they might not want to be seen in public with you. 
you might be an embarrassment, a disgrace. Uh, remember, this age is not about you. Mm-hmm. You got the first 13, 14 years of them caring about you. Now they get the next four or so, four or so years to not care about you. Um, and, I, and I'm saying that silly because they still do care about course, you. But, of course. But it's important. Like, if, if your kids are sort of constantly on you and afraid to separate from you, then that's a reason to bring your kid to us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like if your kid is, is, is so socially anxious and so sort of like concerned about what's going on in the world and how it impacts them to a degree that keeps them from sort of like separating, then, then that is a reason for them to talk to somebody. Um, and I, and I think that it's really easy as a parent to sort of personalize when your kid steps away from you, especially if you have old messages of a re- rejection or abandonment in your you know family of origin or in your own childhood. This stage can bring back a lot of triggers. And so it might actually be the parent that needs to engage a therapist during this period of time, too, if they're recognizing that a lot of their own stuff is being brought up sure. um, through this yeah. stage. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I always try to tell parents that they might not want to hear is that at some point your child is going to say, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. Or I wish I was never born. Yes. And it's important to remember that, you know, they don't really hate you. Right. So the best way to respond to that is by loving them even yeah, more, yeah, right? Yeah. And just being there for them. And loving doesn't mean helicoptering. No, or no, 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 not at all. I just want to clarify that. Yes, too. but yeah, it doesn't mean smother them either. Yes. <laughs> but but it also means like always be there if they need you, right. right? And that's the thing, and that's a very hard thing to do. I mean, when you're a child who you know just it feels like yesterday was this sweet innocent loving thing now mm-hmm. says i hate you yeah. um or called you a bad parent or whatever right. like it's so easy to just give into that mm-hmm. and and push back and say well i hate you too or yeah. whatever right and or to reject them or to reject them and like i it's hard but also very healthy to to just let them have that yeah and still be there for them yeah. Because that's not how they really feel. And part of that, too, is that there's a lot of impulsiveness yes. that comes with this age. Um, so what we know about the brain, and most of my listeners at this point know that I love the brain. Um, because it helps me to explain myself, my clients, my children, my world. Are they your listeners or owlers? our listeners? <laughs> I mean, they're our listeners. But, you know, uh... the people who listen to me at this point, know that I love the brain. I'm not going to speak me with a spoon. on your love of the brain. Um, but anyway, most people who listen to our podcast at this point, is that better? That's better. Thank you know, for including me in this no conversation. Problem. Know my love for the brain. Let's move on. Um, and what we know about the brain is that it doesn't fully really develop, finish developing until 26. Now, that doesn't mean that the brain isn't there. What it means is that the synapses, the the coming online, the hormonal shifts, all of it usually finishes its completion or completes its, its, its growth around the age of 26. Um, and the reality of it is, is through adolescence, that prefrontal cortex of the brain, that part of the brain that sort of is important in decision making, the wisdom part, the facts part, 
it really isn't fully online, okay? Mm-hmm. But what's online is that part of the brain that loves pleasure, mm-hmm. that part of the brain that wants adventure, that, that appreciates the adrenaline, that um, just really, really, really is out there seeking a good time. And that's why you will see kids become sexually active in this age. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your child who thought, you know, sex was icky and, and thought body parts were gross suddenly is obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a difficult transition for parents, especially if you're seeing a lot of the impulsiveness in your kid. Um, and that's where it really is important, even if your child is saying that your opinion doesn't matter or that you don't, uh, that you don't know what you're talking about and this mm-hmm. is their body and they get to make decisions about their body and they're right. They do. Um, it's your job as a parent to ensure that you're teaching them about safety. Yes. Um, that, that, you know, that it isn't safe to put drugs and alcohol into a developing body, that it's not safe to have unprotected sex, that if you are choosing to engage in sexual activity, here's how to do it safely. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the biggest things is to make sure you are giving the same messages to your boys yes. as you are to your girls, because nothing is more telling than when you tell, not you, but, you know, if someone tells their girls, you know, don't trust boys, you know, they're only out for one thing, stay away from them. And then your boy comes yeah. home and is like, you know, I uh, kiss this girl or whatever. And you're like, yeah, high five. Right. Yeah. That That's two very different yeah. messages yeah. for the same population. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing for clothing. Oh, right? yeah. We're talking yeah. about this experimentation of self. Um, and of course, it's important to have rules and you want to mm-hmm. teach, you know, both of your children to present themselves in a way that, you know, allows them to get what they need from the world. And as unfortunate as it is, there is a certain way of dressing that allows you to move forward in the world. Um, and and it's important to not have this being the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Have the rules, have really good solid reasons for the rules And with all of these issues, allow your children to debate you, allow them to state their case, you know, insist that they give you pros and cons, insist that they um, that they not only give you the positive points, but they Mm -hmm. also give you the potential negative consequences or outcomes if because you're teaching them critical thinking. Correct. It's not just isn't online right now. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know. I think one of the worst things you can say to a kid is because I said so. Right. Right. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. And, and you know, at six, five, you know, that might work. But on yeah. a team, no. You're just going to get a lot of animosity and a lot of pushback. Yeah. And – but – if you can come up with your points to argue or debate about why it's important or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's harder for them to be like. With factual information. Oh, absolutely. Not, yeah. you know. And this is where using ex- uh, experts comes in handy, right? Mm-hmm. Because your kid isn't necessarily going to want to hear what you have to say because you're dumb and you love them. You don't know and anything. And you don't know anything and you just want them to be a baby forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard these things recently. Mm. Just um, recently? <laughs> recently. Remember I said I have a 15-year-old. Um, 
So, so this is where utilizing experts to help clarify facts and messages is really important. Yes. Um, you know, your child's pediatrician can be huge in helping to reinforce messages that you want your child to, to, to live with and to also ensure that your child's getting a really good lesson in safety. Um, you know, at this age, when you take your child to the pediatrician, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, once they're 13 uh, or 14, they are permitted into their appointments by themselves. And I know probably for the last several years, um, the pediatrician has taken time without me in the room to talk to my youngest, and she did this with my older kids too, about, you know, whether or not there were any concerns in the home or anything that mm-hmm. that they needed to tell the pediatrician that they didn't feel safe saying in front of me. And I think it's really important that parents allow this to happen, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have a good relationship with your pediatrician. You can sort of give your give the doctor a heads up, like, this is what we're dealing with. This is what I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could talk to my child about this? Um and then most pediatricians will, because they are concerned about the welfare of your child oh, as well. Sure. Um, sure. Then, you know, utilizing gynecologists for your sexually active females, mm-hmm. utilizing, um, I was going to say urologists, but there's, I'm like trying to think of what the equivalent is for a male, but there isn't. <sighs> Unfortunately, not really. There really no. isn't. Um, but but, I mean, again, utilizing the pediatrician, mm-hmm. um, utilizing your child's therapist to help uh, explain why things exist the way that they do. Sure. Um, having somebody explain to your child why their brain is functioning the way that it is, why it is hard for them. Um, having somebody explain to them or you educating them on what's happening in their bodies with their hormones. You know, like, think about it. Like, like if, if anybody listening had hormonal shifts at any point in time and knows how sort of like crazy it made them feel. This is like literally what's happening to your child Mm -hmm. on a daily basis for an extended period of time. You know, and the way I kind of like to do an analogy for it is like, if you think about how your child for many people goes through a growth spurt right. in their teens, right? Where they shoot this up is like the biggest overnight. outside of toddlerhood. This right. is one of the biggest growth periods. It's like overnight they're all of a sudden taller than you or like eating you know, everything in the house. Yes. Two or three inches taller. <laughs> right. You're like, what happened? Well, remember, like the same is going on inside too, yeah. right? Those changes are going on inside. So, you know, when sometimes they seem to grow up overnight physically, also their their brain and the chemistry is changing overnight. And it, it takes time to get adjusted to that. Yeah. You know, it's not just buying a, a bigger pair of shoes, right? It's much more intense. Right. And, and two, because you can't always control friendships, you can't always control... <clears throat> who your child is hanging out with. You can't always control the choices that they make when they're not under your wing. I think it's really important that you, when you speak to your child, that you try really hard to not have it come out as judgment, mm-hmm. that you try really hard to not have it come out as controlling. Which sometimes feels like it's impossible. Correct. It really does. I mean, we have to own and, and acknowledge that parents are up against a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you're damned if you do, you're damned if Mm -hmm. you don't at this age. And that's where like the breathing comes in. Um, (laughs) For yourself. 
Right. And and two, teens this age don't want to sleep, no. right? Because if they go to sleep, they're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it is important to suggest bedtimes. It is important to say, hey, you need to be mm-hmm. mindful of, of the sleeping situation. And it's also important to let them catch up on sleep. Now, you don't want your child sleeping all day, all the time. Right. However, them, like, if they're up till 1 o'clock in the morning and they get up to go to school at 6, they're going to be tired, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not outside the norm for them to need sleep. Again, we're talking about hormones being out of control. We're talking about the body growing. We're talking about all of these things that your child is trying to figure out. So sleeping is not necessarily um, a sign or a symptom of something bigger. And there is uh, a lot of research, especially new research, showing that teens might actually need more than the typical eight hours yeah. that most people need, Yeah. right? So if your teen does sleep, you know, nine, ten hours, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, they have to get up for school or for things like that. You know, but remember, sleep is is how the body kind of resets and gets going. So, you know, getting that sleep is important. Yeah. Two. um, So another another thing, too, is that when you know your child's going to make decisions, right? So say your child's going to go to an event at school or they're going to go to a party and you have concerns about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Again. You can only control so much. Mm -hmm. And unless you are literally driving your child everywhere, which is not something I suggest, Mm -mm. um, (laughs) and unless you are chaperoning everything that they do, which, again, I do not suggest, um, your kids are going to do things, right? They're going to get themselves involved in situations that are not necessarily safe. Um, And so there's, there's two things that need to happen. Okay, to to do to do what you need to do to ensure that your child knows that it's safe to call you. The first thing is you need to plan ahead. Help your child plan ahead. Okay, you know, great. You want to go do this thing. What are some things you can do to make sure you're safe? What are some things you can do to make sure that um, you're making good choices in this? Um, what is your escape plan if you find out that you're not in a safe situation? Um, And part of that is ensuring or or making it clear to your kids that you'll always be there for them, no matter what happens. And that if they get themselves into a situation, no matter matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what's going on, that you will come and get them, okay? That you are, and you're not going to come and get them and then yell at them and and lecture Mm -hmm. them all the way home, okay? Mm -hmm. The consequence is in the issue, right? Right. Like when they're children, when they're itty bitties, the consequence is often not as natural as we perceive it to be. And, you know, you utilize time out, you utilize all of these other things. With teenagers, there's so many consequences that are just natural in their decisions. Because there's going to be a consequence with their peers. There's going to be a consequence with their body. There's going to be a consequence with... You know, the fact that a parent has to come pick them up, period. Mm -hmm. Again, that's not to say that you don't have discipline in place or you don't have um, consequences in place when your children break your rules. It means that these consequences need to be appropriate to the issue. Saying you're grounded for the next two months 
is not like that's not effective. Mm-hmm. Nobody has the energy to keep an eye on their kid 24/7 for 2 months period of time. You know, maybe it means that they lose their phone for a couple of days. Maybe it means that they can't go out the next weekend. Yeah. And you know, in situations like this, I always suggest when you're making those decisions, don't do it that night. Like right. say, okay, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Thank right. you for calling me and I'm, you know, glad I could come get you. Let's talk about this tomorrow. That because then you're not going to be in this state of fury slash panic right. slash confusion. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think taking time to do that is always good, yeah. and it also gives you know your kid time to process what's happened. Yeah. Instead of immediately getting in trouble. And I and I think too, it's important to remember what it was like to be this age. <coughs> We were all oh. teenagers at one point in time. I mean, at the end of the day, your kid's going to do some stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I did some stupid shit. Well, and shit. that's just what I was thinking. Like, I was I was a really good kid, right? Like, mm-hmm. I got good grades. I didn't cause problems. But I also, like, took my mom's convertible, packed friends into it at the age of 16, and drove down the interstate at, like, 120 miles per hour. That was stupid. Thank God I didn't hurt anybody. Thank God we didn't die. But it was an impulsive, stupid thing, Mm -hmm. you know, or I remember the time I was at a party and I got drunk. My mom found out I was at the party and instead of letting her drive me home and come and get me because I was like terrified of my mother coming and getting me, I like waited till I sobered up just a little bit and then drove home. Should not have driven driven home that night. Again, thank God, you know, thank God I was safe. But those are just two examples of things that I did as a teenager in my dumb, impulsive brain. And so I'm constantly reminding myself that I, too, once only had part of my brain working. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that, that you know, it happens. And even now. Oh, my gosh. Really? You knew it was coming. Yeah. And I think, too, like, maybe the most important thing I can say to a parent is... Don't have topics that are off top are off limits. Mm-hmm. Like, like be open to whatever your kid needs to talk to you about. And I say this as a mom who has had to have some really difficult conversations with her kids. And I've had to have conversations with my kids that I didn't like. I didn't want to have it. I was woefully unprepared. I've had to make decisions <coughs> as a parent. I've had to choose my battles. I've had to allow certain things to occur in order to reduce the risk of other things occurring. And we've all survived so far, you know? Your kids are going to do things that are dumb. Some of your kids are going to get pregnant. Some of your kids are going to use substances. Some of your kids are going to get in car crashes. Some of your kids might even end up in jail, right? Like, and but that's the reality of it, right? Like like that's the reality of it's it. It's a real pick me up episode here. <laughs> but it's true. Like it's true. You know, and 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 either you can be the parent who rejects their child through all of this and and reinforces that feeling of being a failure or that feeling of, you know, I'm not good enough. Or you can be a parent who's like, listen, like you did something dumb. Now let's figure out the next steps. Like, let's figure out where to go from here. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm not leaving. Like, let's, let's figure out what to do and let's figure out how to prevent this next time. 
Um, you know, and then the other thing I was thinking is in these sort of pre-planning discussions where you're, you're talking about planning ahead, one of the most important conversations I had with all three of my children, my males and my females, my male and my females, was how to get yourself out of a situation um, when, you're, when your body and your brain aren't agreeing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you find yourself in an in intimate situation and maybe your brain doesn't want to follow through, but your body does, which is normal, or your you know, brain wants to follow through, but your body doesn't. And you're not consenting fully to what's happening. How do you get yourself out of that situation? Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to remove yourself from that situation, what do we do with the feelings that are left afterwards? Um, and and I think that if you open the door to being able to have these conversations before the situations present themselves, then it's more likely that your kid will be willing to talk to you about it when it does happen. Um and and that's what this is about. This like this whole episode is about, you know, your teen is probably normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it is okay to bring them to therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Um I actually encourage therapy for all kids in the adolescent years and the teen years. Mm-hmm. Um that doesn't mean that your child has severe depression or mm-hmm. that they have a personality disorder or that they're suicidal or any of that. It just means that this is a really, really, really difficult period of time for for kids and their right. parents. And, it, and it's hard for a parent to be that voice of non-judgment all yeah. the time because it's also your job to keep them yeah. safe, right? Listen, I do this for a living, and I often catch myself – saying things that I would like tell a parent not to say. Um, so I think that's the reality piece of it is you're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to mess up. Right. And so having grace and mercy with yourself, understanding that while your child is going through this, you're also going through a huge life change. Um, it's a big deal to go from being a parent whose kid needed you, you know, most of the time, outwardly and inwardly to now having a kid who's rejecting you but desperately needs you Mm -hmm. um that's hard that's hard to sit with when you're you're outwardly being pushed away and being treated terribly um but inwardly you know that your child needs you Mm -hmm. and if you go through this stage and you have no issues with your teen (sighs) tell us how yeah (laughs) yeah good for you yeah. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> you and yours. Yeah. Well, that's the show, kids. Alrighty. As always, we love to hear listener feedback. Um, we want to hear what you you want us to talk about. Um, we want to know what's going on in your world, if what we're saying is helping you or not. Um, we can be found in, in various ways. What are those ways, Ryan? Well, there's a couple different ways. Why don't you tell them? <laughs> I don't even have the piece of paper in front of me right now. There is. So we can. Uh, we are on Instagram at worth the work underscore. underscore. Um, we are on Facebook at worth the work with Amanda and Ryan. Mm-hmm. And we have a website. We do worth the work.net. Right. And we also have an email at worth the work counseling at gmail.com. Yeah. So we can be found multiple ways. Um, and we love to interact with our listeners. Yes. And it's important that they remember they are 
worth the work. Oh, you're so fired. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.